and he can take this artificial environment with him up into space and even though he's not in his original environment he's still living and breathing his original environment around him wherever he goes and so if you don't want heaven until you die then that's your loss but i'm trying to have everything i can right now Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits Podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of Scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's Word through wrestling with Scripture and renewing our minds. What's up, everyone? we got an awesome show today, and we are joined by a very special guest, Mike V. Hill from Thrive Church Recovery Road, to talk about the power of prayer. Yes, this guy is... The closest guy I know to Jesus himself. <laughs> Yikes. When it comes he's to... right up there with Paul. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, he's he's amazing, man. Him and his mom, are, we love them very much. They're our prayer warriors of our group, for sure. Yes, and Mike is somebody who I would consider to be a, a, an awesome prayer warrior and a good example of a praying man. And that's why we got him on the podcast today. So that way he can help us understand the power of prayer and what that looks like. Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. How's it going, guys? My name is uh, Michael V. Hill. Most people call me Mike, but just uh, a heads up, I like Mike Ol because in Hebrew, it it means who is like the Lord. It's like a question, right? My name. And when you take the Al out, I feel like you take the God out of Mike Al. So I don't like Mike without Mike Al. I like the God in Mike. So um, just a little just a little background for me. That's what I love about um, the way God is and the way he works and helping me understand who I am and my identity inside of him. And I'm very honored to work with these two uh, gentlemen. We uh, seem to te- tend to work with each other on the daily, or at least once, a, once, or once a week or so. Right. And uh, we're some great. It's great family, man. Great friends. Uh, great community. And my long lost brothers, man. I just appreciate the, all that the Lord's done in their life, and I like uh, hanging out for sure. Growing with each other, learning things, learning life lessons, and uh, loving one another. As Christ loved the church, the honor's all ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I've been, I bet you've been angry at me for the last. I know, years. right? I'm like, you like to be called Michael. <laughs> I call, okay, I call you Mike stop calling him Mike now. <laughs> all right, Michael. That'll make it easier on me because I'm surrounded by a bunch of mics every time we get together and record. Right, so, right. That'll yeah, help no, me out. no, yeah, and that's not that's not uh, trying to pick on anybody oh, or anything, is. but <laughs> I feel like personally that's just that's where I'm at right now. I just feel like when I found out what my name really means in the L from the Hebrew, right? Um, I just felt like that's he's the important part of my life. So I just I don't like to go live my life without him, and I don't want to take my name without him. We've talked a lot about Thrive Church, which seems to be where all of you guys go to church at, and the Recovery Road. So can you tell our audience a little bit about what kind of ministry you do with Recovery Road at Thrive Church? Absolutely. So what we like to do is um, work with um, anybody, support. We're just a support group. So if you need support for anything, um, some people have, I guess, problems in relationships. Their picker's broken. So they keep picking the wrong people over and over again. So they come to Recovery Road, and we want to support them, help them, um, 
look to see their identity in themselves rather than having somebody else place that identity upon them so they could they 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 have self-worth and value and then we also help uh, of course addicts you know um alcoholics too many cigarettes sometimes uh too much chewing tobacco some some people too many sunflower seeds you know it's a a whole array of people but too basically many, too many crack pipes <laughs> right but, everybody's accepted sure yep everybody yeah everybody it. yeah yeah you just huff paint whatever it is man we feel like the enemy has put an assignment on your life to get you to just dis- want to destroy yourself mm. that way he kind of steps uh gets you into a self-destruction pattern and like a holding pattern for airplanes right when they're they're getting ready to land they haven't landed yet but they're getting ready to on their approach and they get them in this holding pattern where they just keep circling and circling and circling and circling. And so I feel like the enemy tries to get mankind into this holding pattern where they just keep on destroying themselves. And they're circling in a cycle, right? Just a cycle of circling where there's just like a like an airplane holding pattern. That's the best way I could describe it. And, and I feel like he tries to get your attention on you and off of him. Because you're no threat to him if you're just destroying yourself. And basically, he doesn't have to waste much energy. He just has to keep pounding into your mind that you ain't worth nothing. Nobody wants you. Mm. Um, look at the way they treated you. Um, God's, God doesn't want you either because if he did, he wouldn't allow these bad, crazy things to happen to you. So it's basically trying to get people out of being stuck in that holding pattern in life. So that's where we, that's what we do basically in Recovery Road. We just try to help people to see their self worth, so they could uh, basically be a threat to the enemy's camp. Man, we're a threat to the enemy's camp. Man, he's uh, uh, Jesus called him the enemy, Satan. He's that means the enemy. So he's he's definitely Jesus's enemy. And if he was Jesus's enemy first, he's our enemy now. So that's what we try to do is just get everybody's mind off of their own self and get them on who the true real enemy is yes these guys are all about that kingdom business hell's <laughs> most wanted got demons on their hit list that's right that's recovery road doing awesome awesome work for the kingdom of heaven we'll be right back today's topic we will be diving into prayer its purpose and how it changes us and prayer is one of the most important um, aspects of our lives as christians it's basically the way we communicate with god and so much more yeah david uh had contacted me and asked me a couple thoughts about prayer so i got a couple um things that i put down and um i'm calling it thoughts on prayer since we know nothing greater than god's word the best thing is to give him back what he gave to us. In other words, the word of God is living and active and more powerful than a two-edged sword. And inside of us, it takes on arms, legs, feet, and a mouth. Where is the end of me? No substitution for time spent with God in prayer. The best way I can describe prayer is a two-way conversation with God Almighty himself. If we do not listen to him, it's like having a conversation with someone who never lets you respond or have a word in edgewise. Everyone knows it's hard to want to always talk with someone like that. And frankly, it's the same way with God. We must listen to what he has to say to us. 
Mike, I totally agree with you on that. Um, well said, by the way. I like a, I want to read a quote here that I heard from Charles Spurgeon about prayer where he says, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Hmm. And isn't that just like stripping it down to its bare basics and saying it's it's the tool that we use to communicate with our heavenly father. Right. And that, mm-hmm. I, one of the things that I've I've always struggled with is is really understanding what prayer is. You yes. know, I, and I know like and, and I think I've talked about this before on, on our podcast because I've, I've always struggled with this, with the concept and the idea of of prayer itself. How how are you supposed to pray? Are you, you know, like, are you supposed to uh, say rituals first? You know, like, if, if your heart's not right, does God hear your prayers? You know, if, if you're struggling uh, with getting words out and you just, you know, cry or you, whatever the case may be, like, is there a proper way that God hears you? And you know, I've always kind of just uh, not really struggled with it, but it always, like, crossed my mind that uh, if I was doing it right or if he... If he hears me sometimes, you know. I relate to you because have you ever been at the table and you hear somebody pray and they do it so they do it so elaborately? And you're like, wow, that, that guy's like must be a, a professional prayer, the way that they're able to spit out scripture. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to give you all an outline using the Lord's Prayer um, as the model. But before we can go there, let's, continue, let's, let's start talking about what prayer isn't. Who wants oh, to take a stab at that? Yeah, the prayer warrior over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have this terminology that uh, I use in class often, and I call it hand grenade prayers. And I feel like just like when, um, um, I guess, trained military have techniques of grabbing this uh, exploding hand grenade... They pull the pin on this hand grenade and they throw it as far as they can or they throw it at an object and basically it's uh, designed to destroy whatever they throw it at, right? And I, I feel like at times prayer, we use prayer as a hand grenade and it's just a complaint session to God. We come to Him and we just want to throw all our complaints at Him and then run away before it explodes in his face, you know. So <laughs> nice. I would say that's definitely what prayer isn't. There is a, a right way to do it. Um, Peter call, calls it uh, casting your care upon him, and so I feel like that uh, psychologically, um, a, the best way to get stress, tension off of your mind and uh, your situation is is basically to put it before him. But before you walk away, I feel like you have to listen a lot to what he has to say to you as you talk to him, as you as you deal with him. I feel like there's there's a lot of different, I guess, communication that happens and being able to find his voice in the midst of your mind. That's the mystery of mankind, finding the voice of God in the middle of your mind if you can still it long enough to hear from because i know i have a busy mind sometimes i can't even uh get a prayer out before stuff before thoughts start impeding upon my prayers Mm. has that ever happened to you where you're starting like you know what i'm gonna pray i'm in my shower that's my that's my place to pray is when i'm in the shower Mm. and when i start praying i sometimes feel like my mind gets so busy that it almost voids out the prayer that I'm trying to that I'm trying to submit to God. 
hmm. so to speak. One of the one of the things that I, I went through because you know I've always wanted to have a, a good communication, but also too I was the one that was throwing the grenades, um, you know, my problems and running away before you know God could even answer them or or uh, uh, give me direction. Uh, and I did this Bible study on the Bible app. It was called uh, Dangerous Prayers. And the concept of it was praying for praying for the things that you're going through and accepting God's answer in the process that you that what you're praying for. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of us sometimes we will sit there and we'll pray that God uh, help our marriage and or God please uh, help me with the job or whatever whatever it is that we're asking God for, but then He provides it, but and it's not the way you wanted it to be. Mm. Right. It takes work. Like he, 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 he lays the path down for you to fix your marriage, but you don't want to do the work. Right. So okay. that's that's the the what the concept of that dangerous prayer um, devotion that I did. And it really made me question, like how I prayed to God and, and the conversations I would have with him uh, and that I do have with him on a daily basis is more. It, it's more of a friendship to me now, my prayer mm. life. And it's constant. I'm, I'm constantly in prayer. Uh, as I'm driving, you know, as I'm working, um, you know, wherever I'm doing, I'm always like trying to figure things out, like how, you know, how, how to uh, follow through mm -hmm. with stuff. That's one of the big ones that I've, I've been working on for a few years now and just constantly like asking God to remind me about my follow through. I mean, I, I don't know. Some, like I started off with just, OK, we're just going to pray for dinner at dinner. And good then, God, good food, good meat, let's eat. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you and here's another thing too that I think is an issue is I I don't think and I I mean I could be wrong, it's just my opinion, but I don't think there's enough men praying out there. Hmm. And I think you see that as a result of the church congre congregation. At least the churches I've been to, there's more women than there is men in the church. Well, let's let's let, let's talk about that. Why why do you believe that to be the why do you believe that to be so? I think it's because it's not manly. You know, it's not manly to be submissive. A lot of us where we come from, we, nobody nobody ever taught me how to pray. Mm -hmm. You know, I I I'm barely learning and I'm 39 years old. I'm barely learning what prayer is. So you got to you got to figure how many more of those people are there in church or people other men that um model that you know yeah that like oh we'll just do we'll i'll pray for dinner uh I'll pray for us you know before we leave for work or whatever the case may be but that's it like we're prayer is only uh a service for us to god like god protect god do this god do that i don't know i i'm just I, i'm starting to realize that it's not that's not what it's about it's it's a it's a conversation, you know, when you when you're in a relationship with with uh, with with Jesus and, and God and the Holy Spirit, you know, you the, how do you get to know them? You know, how, how do you how do you uh, keep your relationship growing, your walk growing as you you know, every time you you uh, you get adversity and stuff, you know, like that's growth. That's that's uh, witnessing for your life that, you know, prayer works. Yeah. Mike, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. How do Michael. you believe... Michael. Michael, <laughs> Michael, I have a question for you. I, I, I got to quit that Mike stuff, right? Um, so how do you believe prayer changes you? So for us, like, what is the power in prayer other than just using that as a form of communication with God? Mm. 
That's a, that's a loaded question. That is good. That is really good. I have a loaded answer. All right. <laughs> I told you you knew Jesus. Uh, I definitely, I definitely feel that prayer is a portal to bring heaven in, and I feel like the the atmosphere that we live is contaminated with the world system, and in order for us to bring the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, it's like uh, anybody ever seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> when I was a kid, definitely. Yeah, it's probably not the most. Yeah, it's probably not the most Christian thing to talk about. But when Nancy would go into her dreams and then hang on to Freddie, she would. It, she had the ability to bring him out from from her dream into reality, right? By hanging on to him when she woke up. So I feel like prayer is kind of like the same type of thing. You go in and grab a get a hold of Jesus, right? And and, and basically, when you're done praying, you bring them out with you. You grab them out and bring them into reality. And I feel like if your prayer life isn't doing that, then you're robbing yourself of so much. Because that's what he... You're basically a portal for heaven to in, invade earth and, that, and creating yourself to be that. Um, there's a couple of ways I feel like I've understood it. And, and then upon doing research, because I just thought I was a weirdo, um, it was it, <laughs> it, it was like I, I was reading scriptures like Daniel chapter 7 where it talks about the ancient of days seated on the great throne or revelations um, 19 right um, or revelations 5 I, I look for all these pictures of heaven Isaiah chapter 6 right the calling of Isaiah and who will go for us and the Lord's high and lifted up in his temple and his train filled the filled that was like wallpaper all i felt like it was like wallpaper everywhere you looked it was like everything he consumed it all and so if you could imagine what that looks like when you go to go pray take that 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 same vision that you have when you read the scriptures and take it into your prayer life in other words i'm not just going into my room putting my head under my blankets or or put going into my room and putting uh, the Jews have what they call prayer shawls. That's what the that's what the woman with the issue of blood touched for Jesus. His prayer shawl, the the the, the tassel that hung off the edge of it. At certain times, 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. It was morning sacrifice. 9 a.m., 12 p.m. was just a time of prayer, and 3 p.m. was an evening sacrifice. And the Jews believed that if they prayed with the smoke of the sacrifice. Their prayers got basically FedExed straight up to heaven. So that's when they, they had designated time of prayer, right? And so for us, if you translate 3 or 12 noon in uh, Jerusalem, to us, it's like 3 a.m., right? So it's 3 a.m. Our time is 12 p.m. their time. Mm. So it's like, it's like their hour of prayer. So that's when I get my best prayer in, I feel like. But upon doing more research of, of this, uh, the imagining what heaven is like, and when I go to pray, um, I thought I was like the only crazy one to think about it. And um, it turns out that people have been thinking out about it for years. I think Ignatius de la, uh, de la Oya, he was uh, original, the original starter of the sect of uh, Jesus, right? And um, the Society of Jesus. I think they called him Jesuit, Jesuits. He was the, the leader of that. And he taught all his men about the imagination when you pray. 
When you pray, go somewhere else. Don't stay in the same place because if you stay in the same place, nothing's happening. But if you take your mind to where God is, then when you come back, you come back with God or you come back with the godly answer because you're not staying in the same place. It's like you're ejecting yourself from your circumstance or situation. And I don't care if you're in a prison cell. I don't care if you're in a concentration camp. I don't care if you're just getting raped on the side of the road. Take yourself to where God is when you pray. If you don't do that, then you're just robbing yourself of everything that God has for you, right? It's like you're, you're, you're every, I feel like it's um, everybody leaving to go to the same place, but you stayed behind. You didn't, you didn't turn, you never turned your car on and everybody left without you. You know, nobody wants to have a prayer life like that where, where they didn't get in touch with God because they just did, just didn't make an effort to go get to him. So I feel like that's what prayer is. It's a, it's a ba- being able to go to where God is. And how do you believe it changes you? So, I mean, again, like when, when I'm praying, I feel like there's certain points and times when I can get into it. And I feel like when I'm done, just like you were talking about how prayer is a portal, I feel like, okay, it's, it's, it's like you're crying. You know, when they say you cry and the tears sure. come out of your eyes, it releases stress. Sure. In the same way, as I've enhanced my prayer life, I'm starting to walk away feeling like, okay, I was able to submit my request to God, but I'm also was able to get something off of, off of my chest or, or just in gratitude. So what do you believe to be the benefits of prayer for us when we do pray? I, I feel like for sure there's no substitute for time spent with God. And you have to come to an end of yourself and where he is. Because the Holy Spirit, he's not going to come by you looking like this crazy white shining dove or some huge <laughs> eagle. Right? That's a sign I was looking for, Mike. <laughs> oh, son of a gun. That's, that's confirmation. I see the dove. I'm like, all right, it went up. You're looking for the Thunderbirds. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Seeing the stork come through. Yeah. So, and, yeah. So, um, basically, the Holy Spirit, you know what he looks like? He looks like David. He looks like Mike. He looks like Michael. He looks like us. He's just the he's just the part of us that is calm and at peace and has all the answers. Mm. We're like the children who who we come to God and we don't understand why and we want our own way and we don't understand why we can't have our own way and we can't understand why he can't just change the circumstance. But he's sovereign and it's like the sovereignty, what I understand about sovereignty is it's like these whole bunch of gear cogs, like the Big Ben clock in um, London, right? It's like this huge big old clock and it takes all these little tiny gears to make it work. And if, if one of those gears gets out of sync, then it's not the, the, the clock on the time ain't going to be the same. And so the way the sovereignty of God works, he, we're like little tiny cogs and our life is like a cog and it, and it, and it locks into another cog and which is your neighbor's cog and your wife's cog and your children's cog. And when all these things move and, 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 and tick together for you to ask God to stop what he's doing in your life, it's going to change every other cog that he has working at the Mm. same time. So you don't ever want to, you never want to stop him from what he's doing in your life you it's better to under uh, ask for acceptance of what he's doing in your life when you ask for acceptance of what he's doing in your life you're able to understand why he's doing it because if he's a loving father and he's a good good god why would he allow this bad thing to happen to me unless it was only for my good 
And so us thinking that what is our own good, that's where our default is, right? We, we don't understand what's good for us, but he does. And he's ahead of us and he's thinking about us. And so he's like, um, he's if you could imagine a giant looking over a city and you could see a car on, let's say we're in Denver, Colorado, coming down Colfax going 60 miles an hour. And you see this other car just coming on Broadway and this guy's running red lights and everything. Well, the big giant who can look over the whole city, he can see that this guy coming down Colfax, he's going to run into this guy on Broadway unless he prohibits it, right? Unless he he stops the guy from moving. Maybe he gets a pedestrian in front of him to stop the other car from hitting into him. So he he knows what's ahead for us. He knows how to stop us. And um, just like a guy that I work with told me once, God always makes a way, uh, like there's an emergency exit when you're going through temptation. So he's like, oh, it's a split second right before it happens. Look for the way out all the time, right? So I feel like God always has like these little escape hatches or these things that, but we have to be in sync with him to know when to get out, when to when to listen, when to go. And so we have to come to an end of ourself. When we come to an end of ourself, that's that's when we know my my thinking stopped here and how do I know cuz it's full of anxiety, it's full of depression, it's full of me thinking about me and then that's where God can start in when he brings the peace, brings the answers, brings the salvation, brings the truth, brings the hope, brings the encouragement. When my mind settles into hope and 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 encouragement and and when I feel renewed that's when I know that's him talking to me. When I'm all stressed out and tattered and falling apart, that's me talking to him. And so understanding where I stop and where he starts, I think that's the, that's where you get the gold in prayer. But there's just no substitute for time spent in prayer. There's just not. So I, I think with, with everything you just said, um, if I was a listener, which I am technically, but... <laughs> Um, if I was someone listening to and that doesn't know you, because I I know your your history, everything you said seemed like you like you've always lived this way, like you've always had this this gift and you've always had everything right. But I know you and I know your your story. But I would love for you to kind of talk about your upbringing and who you were and the things you went through because you haven't always been Michael, right? You've right. Been, you've been Mike. Before the transformation, because I think everything you're saying is 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 so it's so holy and so spiritual, but there was a side of you, there was sure. something you you just weren't, uh, you know, you just weren't born this way. Yeah, you know. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing, and and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you know, talk about your dad, uh, sure, your father, and then your mom, and then where it led you, and and we could start from there. So up until uh, I would say from the time I was about 17 to 21, I was Miggity Mac, right? That's what Miggity my Mac. <laughs> that's what my friends called me, right? And so I was a, that was like a reputation I lived up to, and and that was the dirt doer. That was the guy who was uh, looking for identity. So I was always doing things to please others around me, trying to prove myself to my social circle. Because my dad used to beat me up in front of my friends. so And he would try to attack my friends, too. Wow. So I turned up to try to be this tough guy because um, basically I wanted acceptance. I didn't like who I was. My my father um, 
God rest his soul, but he he made me feel like I was uh, wasn't good enough, and made me feel like you know I heard things like you should. I wish you were never born, and I could have been driving in a Cadillac, but I had to buy you school clothes, so I'm stuck with this piece of crap. And right, so and I mean that kind of thing lays heavy on you when you're a young kid, yeah, it and does. and so I feel I feel like that. Um, I feel like learning to escape that is. Um, basically is what, where prayer basically started with me, but my parents, um, we, we kind of, we've been in, I feel like as long as I can remember, I was in church. I think I died in church when I was like three years old. Then I got ran over by a car when I was four years old and running to Sunday school, ran across well, the street. A, that's a lot to happen. <laughs> in, I mean, even five years, man. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I was raised a lot in church, uh, uh, went to private school. I feel like for all the things that my dad tried to do good for us, there was a whole lot of bad that he did for us. And coming to realize, you know, no hard feelings and no, uh, um, no bad mojo or anything towards Pops, but he just didn't, he had a toolbox that was devoid of any good tools, man. He, the way he was raised was... He did a lot better raising us than the way he was raised. And so kudos to him for that. But um, I feel like because of all that, um, that's that's where the Lord came to me at a young age. Imagining, imagination. I was always a good uh, imaginer uh, with the Star Wars figures and G.I. Joes and Hot Wheels and Matchbox. And, you know, I was always a good imaginer. And I feel like that's where he began to come to me. And um, at a young age, I began to imagine the Bible stories would come real to me. And memorizing scripture in Sunday school, man, I, I, I got this crazy identity um, thing where I thought every Sunday they used to give us little snicker bars for memorizing the scripture from week to week. And every Sunday that I would come to Sunday school, I thought the Snickers bar was mine all the time. <laughs> I would go all week long and memorize the scripture because I knew I'm coming for my Snickers, right? <laughs> and li little did I, yeah, I was like the, I don't know how many years in a row running champion, you know, I just kept on every week. It didn't fail. I always came for my He's got Snickers. got a stash under his pillow in his drawer. <laughs> yeah, I came for a Snickers, little tiny Snickers candy bar, man. That's how they, that's how they got it in me, I would say, but it was really the Lord behind the scenes and working through my father. Those gear cogs that I say we probably shouldn't ask to be delivered from, that's what my father was for me. And because of the way I was raised, I feel like I was raised for this end time. I was, I'm an end time warrior and a prayer warrior, I would say, because of the way my dad raised me and because of how he raised me. And it's in the end, it's just the sovereign God. I have no hard feelings. I just accept everything that is given unto me and I accept it with joy. And I'm glad that it all happened to me, right? I mean, I could wish I could have had a better life or, 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 or something like that. You know, I wish I could have been, grew up in a better side of town or had a better first car or, you know, better first girlfriend. I could have had a better everything. But when I think about it, it was exactly what God wanted for me. So I, why would I want to take that away from him, you know? you would have a lot i mean justifiably so you could have a lot to be bitter about i mean that's a lot of trauma to happen to, to somebody bitch it i'm sorry and did you did, did you have any uh what we would call anger issues yeah. oh oh absolutely absolutely and I, th I did have a lot of anger issues and my dad used to beat my mom up in public i mean publicly and at, and at home 
by ourselves, it, he, he, he'd beat us all up, you know? So I feel like I, I, learning to let go of the anger was the first part of prayer, the answer to prayer of my success. I would say learning to let it go, right? Because what is it going to do for me? It's never, it's not, it's not going to do anything for me. It's not going to change the way circumstances were. And when I began to realize, like studying the Bible, beginning to read the Bible, I kind of, um, at 21 years old, I ended up going to prison and, uh, I, I was facing 48 years and didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Um, and God knows if they would have knew all the things I did, I probably would have, should have been doing life right now, but for his grace alone, I guess I could say, man, I'm here and I'm a free man. And I'm like, I just don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. And, and I want to be thankful and grateful for everything he's done for me. And so to this day, I never want to make him regret freeing me from the bondage of sin and, and, and my, uh, my my felon record, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what uh, be, be, with everything that you went through, because I know you know some of the stories and the things you uh, you had told me with your anger and and you know your driving and stuff. And was there something that was consistent in your life? Was there someone consistently praying over you uh, in your life? Yeah, where did you get that model of prayer from? Uh, well, I I come to find out, I got it from mom, you know. Didn't even know, inherited it from mom, man. And and mom was, uh, how would I say, my only fan, right? And when I was in jail, like all all the little clique of homies I had and everything, we thought we were the hardest on the south side and every other thing, man. And you know what? When you go to jail, psh, I probably got $7 on my books, you know, in five years' time. Um, and maybe one letter, right? Ouch. So all my all my tight, tough homies that I thought were good and there for me never were. But you know who was stayed consistent? Mom. Dear mama. Mom said she, mom, uh, at that point, my mom and dad had divorced and my mom was trying to make, she was trying to raise my little sisters. And uh, and my I think my older sister was staying with her for somewhat from time to time. And she was trying to make it all happen for the little family, man. So she didn't have much money, much funds. So, uh, but whatever she had, she'd pay for phone calls and she would send me, you know, uh, underwear and, 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 uh, and, uh, long johns, books, you know, whatever she could. I feel like it was just a bonus, man. And I thank God because I realized I probably didn't deserve any of it, you know, after the way I treated her before going to jail and everything. I just was bad with the whole family. And, uh, I got stuck in the bondage of alcoholism, you know, and, the good five years the Lord gave me to uh, be set free from that. And uh, I just decided, you know what? I think he decided for me, but I, I he really helped me out with not going back to that. And since I don't have any uh, tattoos on my neck or I didn't have a bald head, I just I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb in prison. And not that you have to have that. And if you do have it, not that you're a bad person, but just for me, I just felt like I didn't fit in and I just feel like I still don't fit in there. So all that, I just, uh, I thank God that I was there, and I thank God that it saved my life, but uh, I just don't want to go back, unless it's to minister from the, ins- from the outside, outside in. in. <laughs> we don't want you to go back, bro. Stay out here on the streets doing Praise the work. God. Yeah, man, because I, I wanted you to, to share that uh, little clips, too, because I wanted it to lead to where you just finished with uh, talking about your mom, because I, our listeners uh, know her as Mama G. Mama G, Because we yes. talk about her a lot on here. So this is uh, the child she birthed, Michael, 
the uh, aka the prayer warrior, <laughs> aka uh, Jesus's right hand man. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Mama G, she's a big part of our lives, and she's touched David in in uh, in a. Uh, amazing way she, yeah and she, i barely even knew her yeah <laughs> she just that and the way that she prayed over me and sent me this prayer she she would call it um i need to send you a cup of living water mm. and so she texted me here's your cup of living water and i was like thank you i received that and and yeah i i just seen that model and i was like so i started understanding okay this is what prayer looks like or this is what it looks like when you got people praying over you. Mm. Right. Not that I haven't had people praying over me before, but there was just something different about my interaction with her that, yeah. that really impacted me. It, yeah. was just some, it was just different from other circumstances that I've had in my life. Because she, she's prayed her, her son, uh, Michael, here uh, out of prison. And, yep. she, and this is no lie. Everybody knows this. She prayed her husband back, back to, to life. life you know mm. he was dead on the operating table yeah, and she yeah. refused to to give up and she prayed and uh her husband's uh, alive and at home today and i think we talked about it too on this podcast yeah before. sure but yeah that's um she's she's a she's a tremendous a beautiful woman and, mm. and we love her dearly and she's a big part of halo's closet she's a big part of recovery mm. road and the with daily, the, audio, with the bible daily audio bible group she's consistent and that's what um and, and i was Mike is off. He's going to turn 50 this year. And like he was sharing, he went to prison when he was 21. And his mom has always consistently been praying for him throughout this whole time. Mm. And even till now, her consistency of prayer is amazing. Mm. She doesn't, she doesn't miss it. Yeah. She, she's had a prophetic word even yesterday. As a matter of fact, but many times, many times I've heard a lot of words. We do a lot of church together because we love the Lord together. I feel like she gets a lot of words about her family's uh, being held back because of her prayers. So it keeps on like warnings. Keep keep praying because it's, it's holding your family back from going backwards or it's holding your family from uh, hell smoke, right? Yeah. <laughs> So the for holding them back from the flames. So I, I mean, she gets that a lot, and I, I'm really thankful that it definitely was her praying for me behind bars. I ended up um, going to seminary in uh, prison. Oddly enough, had a brother take me under his wing, and uh, he somehow had uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer's Systematic Theology. I think there was like six volumes of it, and he had them all in Texas. I don't know how we got them because they only let us have like the brown, the old school grocery bags, those paper bags. That's all they let me take. So, I mean, it's just whatever would fit in that is what you got to take with you. And for some reason, this guy had systematic theology. He was a graduate from Dallas Theological Seminary, and he knew the word crazy, man. He he taught me hermeneutics, the art and science of scripture interpretation. It's an art because it uh, takes talent to use it, and it's a science because it has laws. Mm. And he taught me that about you know reading the scriptures, how to do it right, and uh, and to get it right, man. And and a little, so somewhat a lot of doctrines and uh, some Greek and Hebrew behind that too. So I'm like, praise God, man. And if I don't think it was if it wasn't for my mom, you know, I. Uh, I don't know what would have happened to me, man. Maybe I would have got sucked in the gang life because that's easy to do in there, you know. You could get sucked into all kinds of things. And owing people money, that's a bad thing to do. Some guys mess with guards and get them pregnant and 
all kinds of other sorts of things, man. But there's a lot of things you could be doing in prison. And for some reason, I got sh- uh, shipped off to Texas, which I thought was the worst thing I, that could happen for me. And because it was so expensive to call home. And two, because I could never have family members come visit me because it was so far. Also, I didn't understand that God had to separate me. He had to get me completely away away from the old influences, the old everything, you know, and take me to a new place where there was a Bible Belt and we had like a church every day of the week. Right after that, that's when I met uh, Dr. Ken Botham and kudos to Ken Botham out there. And he's uh, doing a life sentence for uh, being wrongly accused, but he knows the sovereignty of God and knows his purpose. And uh, he was taking brothers like me under his wing, man. And um, he's been doing it since way back. So praise God for him and his prison ministry that he has from the inside, you know. And so that's, I feel like that's the biggest part of understanding prayer, prison and prayer, man, that's praying from prison. I feel like that did works of wonders and realizing, you know what, if I open my mouth, circumstances can change. If I open my mouth, um, my thinking's going to change. If I open my mouth, um, I can have a whole lot more than if I keep my mouth shut. So Opening my mouth in prison, man. That's what was a that was a good thing with me for with God, to God. I mean, you can open your mouth to anybody, and sometimes you might get a fat lip. But to the Lord, it's a, it's a bit different, right? <laughs> now, how did that change for you when you got out of the prison system? Um, I think staying consistent, trying to stay consistent, was uh, the biggest key. I feel like that was the biggest fear for me too, because realizing I was like in a safety net. And really, I um, unless I somehow switched roles and got involved in gang stuff or anything, I really wasn't going to get hurt in prison. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's way easier than the county jail. Um, I feel like being when I, the fear was when I get out, how do I stay the same? How do I how do I do more to be more right? And yeah, uh, those influences come back, right? The sure. world comes back at you. Sure, I ended up moving to Brighton, Colorado, when I was from South Denver. And uh, that's where that's where things changed for me. Um, moving out there, um, I met a met a gal and uh, and got married and and then I thought that uh, somehow I was going to be an evangelist or something. I ended up just being a family man and uh, working all the time. But through that too, uh, church was always like the big a big part. And whenever I get plugged into a church, they put me to you put me to work. So. I was uh, helping Friday nights in the rescue mission, man, praying for brothers, you know, praying for people, praying for people who couldn't pray for themselves. And that's when I began to see that I was an intercessor. An intercessor is not only somebody who prays for someone else until they could pray for themselves, but it's a person who gets pictures of what people need prayer for. So I feel like a, a prayer intercessor is somebody who who's at times you touch people at times you dream about people there's just different facets of what an intercessor prayer is but you can even hear people talk sometimes and just know what they need prayer for you get like a a distinct clear dinging in your spirit in your spidey senses right or your (laughs) your holy ghost man that uh, lets you know hey this guy needs some prayer you know this is what they need prayer for or um or pray or in prayer you get to under you get to see how to pray for them or what they're struggling with or how to advise them because you're praying for them you get to see like a, a side of them that you wouldn't normally see in the real world all right and that i'm 
I'm glad that you started speaking about intercession and praying for others and stuff like that because that was the next question I wanted to talk to you about because I know personally you've had shared stories with me about dreams and, and people that you had to pray for. And, and then coming from somebody like me that's still learning the process of praying and, and getting connected with, with God and the Holy Spirit and everything, I was always under, like, always wanted to know, does that even work? And being a, being a, when people come up to you and ask you, hey, can you pray for me for this? And they're not a believer or they're not like, you know, they're just, they're just in a time of need. You know, sometimes you get those tragedy sure. things and people are like, oh, just in there. Never went a day. They hated God until something tragic happened and they come to you and ask you for prayer. Does that, does your prayer work? Does it change their life? Like, where does that, what's your, how does that work for you? I've, I feel over and over again, I've seen fruits of prayer. Um, we have someone in our own, um, they're in uh, Mike and Angelica's group, and they're also in our group at uh, Thrive Church. But yeah, this, this, uh, sing, this single individual, man, she was struggling with alcohol really, really bad. And uh, every, I always used to pray about five years ago, man. I started really just like praying for her. And what's weird was that I never knew she had long hair because she always had like a little tiny bun every time she would come to class. And um, every time that I seen her um, in prayer, so I go into these like states where it's like half, half awake and half asleep. Like Angelica was just talking to Michael about just not even an hour ago. It's like this place where you're like halfway awake and halfway asleep. Like if somebody pushed you, you'd be able to you'd be able to just jump and it's like you're startled. Yeah. But at the same time, you, uh, you know what's going on around you, but your but your mind is so relaxed that your your mind is just drifting in thoughts. And so what I do is I I feel like at times I'm before the Lord, before his throne. And I'm, I'm asking him for help or I'm asking him, have they, has he considered this person? Or I'm asking him, why ain't you doing something for them? Because I feel like you could be doing a lot more and I don't understand why, right? So help me understand why. And so um, I'm just like, I don't know. This, this is the number one thing I learned about intercessory prayer. And this is like a little side note. But the crazy thing about intercessory prayer is if the Lord never really answers your prayer for what you're praying for someone about, um, he, he basically is changing you into what his heart is like because he desires that none perish and that all become saved. So in the process of crying out and pleading for somebody's heart and somebody's life and somebody's walk, you begin to take his heart on yourself and you begin to understand and see why are they fighting it? Like, like he told the apostle Paul soon to be right. Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was like, who is it? And he was like, it's me, Jesus. And he's like, it's hard to kick against the goats, right? Or it's, it's hard to get kick against the pricks. And that's what he had told Saul. And, and sometimes we, we just wondered, why why does a person fight his will so bad why they see the will of god all over their life and they're just fighting they're in this fight because they don't want to give up who they've always been to be somebody new they rather have the hurt and pain and keep going through the cycle over and over again instead of becoming what he wants but they're so afraid of becoming what he wants that they lose their identity in themselves that they just don't want to let go of who of all the pain all the hurt and all the past yes. so 
he could set them free. So that's a little side note, right? That's a free yes. one <laughs> on, inter <laughs> on inter intercessory prayer. But that so the Lord will change you to have his heart because he doesn't desire anybody to perish. Really, literally, he doesn't. And he and he hates that we hurt ourselves and struggle with ourselves. But the the crazy thing is, is this this girl, right? She used to she used to get drunk, and I used to always see her in that state, underwater, because I would I ask the Lord, and sometimes I I feel like I get up next to His throne, and sometimes I feel like I put my arm around His shoulder, and I'm like, Lord, why is she always in the water? Like, why do I always see this picture of her in the water, and she's like drowning in the water and she's struggling and i seen this long hair on her and she was all i seen her arms were just struggling like she just was wanting to try to get up right and then i could see the bubbles just bubbling out of her mouth and she's like a hard struggle would come and then she would just settle into just being under there you know and then stop fighting and she'd just stay in there and every now and then her hands would move and to this day, the Lord has brought her around. He's done so many things. We're so proud of her, man. She take her. She brings her whole family in, and they take up two aisles at church. It's crazy, nice. right? And this man. was this was a girl, gal who would come to to class drunk half the time, or she would be making crazy comments in the middle of the night. Or I'd have another sister. Um, we used to have this thing called group me where we could always talk to each other in the middle of the night. She'd be like, Michael, please go help her. She's uh, over here at this bar or having struggle or her husband's trying to beat her up or right. All these crazy things going on. And, um, in the middle of the night, I just used to pray for her over and over again. And this day I can't help, but believe some of what has happened to her is because people like me just asking, Lord, Lord, when, how long, what, what will you do to change her? And all along, he knew, he knew when her time was, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't give me any kind of regret for praying for her for, I mean, one guy came into Recovery Road one time that um, he, uh, and I think Mike was in there. It was when Mike first started coming and I, and I had everybody write these prayer requests on these uh, post-it notes and uh, write down the names of everybody you want us to pray for. And we're going to pass them around to each other. We exchanged them. And I'm like, guys, all for the next week, will you guys, you know, will you guys want to, to uh, take these post-it notes and take them home and just work on them and pray, right? And this one guy came in, man, and, um, man, we ended up losing him, man. He ended up committing suicide. Mm -hmm. But I stayed praying for his list. And, and the list that he gave me, and there was a name on there, uh, there was a couple names on there. It was all his kids, one of his friends, and then another friend that I never even met, never even seen at the church. And so I started praying for him, you know, and every now and then I would take that list again, take that, grab those post-it notes, because I, I have tons and tons and tons of lists of I just put down in prayer. And so I don't hit every single thing every single day, but I hit occasionally. I go back to this list and I'll change it up and hit that person and this person, right? And so for about three years, we were, um, we were uh, in class one Friday evening, and uh, this guy walks in. And so we always do this, uh, give us your name and a good quality and a bad quality when you come into class. 
And when he said his name, my jaw dropped. I'm like, man, I've been praying for you for three years. Really? Yeah. Three wow. years, man. And I never, I never, I never even knew, you know, I never even knew that you would come in one day, you know, I, and let, here you are, you know? And then I began to tell them and tell him the story about That's Nate. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, Nate, um, uh, given a list, right, and given a post-it note, and I'm like, man, and I was like, I still pray for Nate's kids, and I still pray for his friend, and I pray for you, man, and I'm like, then today, my prayer's been answered, man. Like, I feel like, man, this is a this is a a day of a whole new chapter of your life. I was like, welcome, welcome to the family, man. So, I feel like that. I mean, it's like a great adventure. Prayer is crazy. And if you don't mind me saying, I do these drifting things and sometimes he shows me pictures of people that I never even met. And then I'll see them in an outfit or a certain uh, a jacket or something, right? And I'll see him in my prayer and a week or two later start praying. So this is this is normally how it kind of goes. I'll start praying and I'll just start thanking him, right? When I can't think of what to pray for, I just thank him. And then, so I'll just begin to tell him about how my day was, you know, and just, and and then I always act like he was there with me. So I'm, I, I always act like prayer is a conversation, like when you're first in love with somebody. I mean, we used to have those old phones before the cell phones came in. And uh, you you would go to sleep with your girlfriend at night. You know, you pick up the phone, call him, and then you go to sleep together, man, and hear each other snoring and everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember doing that. <laughs> stay, on, stay on all night. Yeah. yeah. Just have it. And I feel like praying without ceasing is basically that's what it is. It's picking up the phone, calling the Lord, and when he answers, just never hanging up. You just don't ever hang up. You always keep him on there, you know, so he gets to hear everything you're going through. So wow, that was deep. Yeah. So that was pretty if you deep. You ever had a question about this intercession prayer work? <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> it works, Michael. Now, Mike, in terms of getting to the point where you can value prayer, or where you can be in, where you can actually feel in tune with God, what would you feel are some practical steps that believers can follow to where they can embrace a life? or a habit of prayer. I mean, do you feel like heaven is a place you go when you die? Yes. Okay. That's a, I guess, a logical answer. All right. In Luke 17 and verse 20, he said, and he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither, neither shall they say, lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So what that what that speaks to me is the kingdom of God is is basically where the king reigns, right? That's like his his territory. And if you see in Ephesians chapter six, it talks about principalities, powers, right, rulers of wickedness in high places. All those terms are geolo- uh, geographical terms of rulers or monarchies. It means that they have a certain terrain that they're they're reigning or ruling in. It's like governors, mayors, princes, right? It's an area where they rule at. And so the kingdom of the kingdom of God is the same thing. It's an area where he rules. So if you think about where where is God's kingdom? Well, first of all, it's in heaven, but it's anywhere where his rule is coming to pass. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's you. You taught a class on that, right? Heaven is in us, 
right? Yeah. And then you also uh, brought up, and I don't know if you were going to hit on this, but this is one of the things I remember from that class is where two or more are gathered, and it was a pun played on for the Romans, right? Because the Romans, the Romans, wherever they were at in the world, if two of them were together, Roman law ruled, right? Right. Or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Romanus Serventum. Yeah, Google that, all you Latin fans out there. Romanus Serventum. And what it means is where there's two citizens of Rome. It doesn't matter if they're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. If there were two men on a rowboat, the government of Rome was there with them because they obeyed what the government said. So when Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst because that's where he rules and he reigns. Where two of you are gathered... The people of his day understood what Romana Servantum was, what being a citizen of Rome was. And so to his followers, they understood exactly his lingo because he came at us exactly where we live at and told him just so they know, guys, where two of you are gathered together, two of the citizens of my kingdom, that's where I'm ruling, guys. God's I'm in law. the middle of it. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I would like to also say this, John chapter 3 and verse 13 um this this was a scripture just a quick little background information on it this was a scripture from the up up until the year 1876 it was in every version of the bible then nowadays if you read like niv it's uh it's um what else uh the message there's a yes yeah, there's a whole lot of new new versions they exclude this scripture because they don't know a lot of people if you know the way that translators are, they usually come from specific denominations. So they're coming from, they might have this um, um, Methodist background. And so they're coming in and they're approaching translating this, these scriptures from Hebrew into English. And they don't know what to do with the way it's sounding when it's translating. So this is how the scripture goes. And it's when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and uh John chapter 3, and he's talking about being born again. And so as he's describing it all, in verse 13, he says, No man hath ascended up into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And so if you hear that, a lot of a lot of translators would, would say, well, John wrote it because it was after the fact that Jesus had already, it was after that Jesus had already came and descended and descended back up into heaven. But Jesus is talking to Nicodemus at that time and it's quoting, he's quoting what Jesus is saying, right? So how is Jesus, how did Jesus ascend up into heaven and, and, and come down from heaven and still be in heaven when he's talking to Nicodemus. You know, it just, it's like something that baffles your mind. How is he in heaven and on earth at the same time? Well, I was asking the Lord this one, one day and I was like, Lord, I don't understand what this scripture means, which I do a lot about scriptures. That's, that's where I feel like the best commentator is, is, is going to the father and asking him. Right. And so I began to see this picture with that scripture of how a man who was on earth can go into outer space. And even though that the uh, he could go into, like say he's going to fly into the moon and the moon's atmosphere doesn't support what he breathes in and breathes out, right? He can still take 
part of the earth with him in this apparatus that he has, right? This created, right? This spacesuit with this helmet with these oxygen tanks. And he can take this artificial environment with him up into space. And even though he's not in his original environment, he's still living and breathing his original environment around him wherever he goes. And so if you don't want heaven until you die, then that's your loss. But I'm trying to have everything I can right now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus took heaven with him, right? Heaven is coming to a body near you. (laughs) (laughs) And with that being said, we're going to take a break. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew chapter 6, 12 through 15. Welcome back. The Lord's Prayer is going to be our anchor scripture for the rest of this episode as it breaks prayer down into six areas of prayer and is the baseline for how Jesus modeled to us how to pray. While researching the Lord's Prayer before this episode, I thought it was basically a default prayer for Christians when we didn't know what to pray about. Little did I know that the rabbis in Jesus' day taught people index praying, index being like the beginning of a book that gives you the chapter numbers and titles. The Lord's Prayer is more than a default prayer. It is more like an index that addresses the following topics on prayer we will be discussing for the rest of this episode, such as 1. Worshiping the Father 2. God's Kingdom 3. God's Will and Guidance 4. Our Daily Needs 5. Forgiveness and Relationships and 6. Spiritual Warfare Jesus never meant for us to mindlessly repeat this prayer, but it was meant to be more of an outline on how to pray. So we're gonna jump into the first part of this and we're gonna go through each section and we're gonna talk about that so that way we can help you develop an outline for when you utilize the Lord's Prayer and how it can enhance your daily praying habit. 
So first, we're going to start with worshiping the Father. And the Lord's Prayer starts out with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer begins by telling us about God, who we're praying to, and addresses and teaches us how to address our Heavenly Father with praise and adoration. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm literally just soaking everything in, learning on this. I, I, I even brought a book out before our podcast. It's called Pray. Uh, by Tony Jones that I'm uh, I found at the Bible store because I, I I'm honestly wanting at the point in my life in my spiritual life where I feel like I need to I, I'm getting too content with with where I'm at I'm getting too comfortable and okay. I know one of the places that I know I need to grow at is in my prayer life mm. so I feel like what the knowledge Mike is uh, Michael excuse me sorry I didn't mean to offend you sir <laughs> But the the knowledge that Michael is bringing to us, and he like you and I both know how great of a, a prayer warrior he is. I'm just observing and soaking everything in. As far as the Lord's Prayer, when I did a little research on it, uh, I think I did a, bo- a podcast about prayer, and it's kind of the same thing. You know, it is it's an index on how on how to pray. But as far as the questioning and stuff goes, you know, I just um, I'm sitting here learning with the rest of us <laughs> I, I am too and, and it just i just learned this i i like i said i thought this was a default prayer like jesus saying right, right. kind of like we're gonna pray Catholics do this do, right yeah like and so i'm and sitting here cross and stuff when i'm like <laughs> right <laughs> which, which church is that <laughs> i <laughs> still got a black eye <laughs> or when i do not have anything come to mind that i should be praying about i'll use the lord's prayer so again it truly was a default prayer for me until I learned that that wasn't the intent of it. Right. And now I'm looking at this like, well, how do we, if we're talking to others, if I just learned this, I want to share it with the world. And that's what we're doing. Going through the different lines and trying to get an understanding of what that means. So that way it can help me enhance my prayer life. Right. That's funny. That's funny because you just imagine God sitting up there and, and you're, you're reading this prayer to him, and he's like, why are you reading my index to me? <laughs> yeah. why, table of contents? Why, why, what is going on with you? Get to your prayer. But I mean, it serves put that. Little, no, put yeah. a little filler in there. Yeah, it's, it's, like a check, it's like a checklist almost. Right. right? No, that's a great. And, and then it starts out with worshiping the Father. And so, I think whatever's important, you put that first. So, so of course, you're going to address God with praise and adoration. Mm. What is, uh, now that I have to ask this out loud, I don't even know this, but this is something I've always wondered. Like, what does hollowed mean? Like what is what is the context of that word in in this? It's it's a set apart name, something that's set apart from every other thing. The Jews, um, they're they're so reverent about ne- never saying the name of Yahweh because they they say the name they say this this uh, Hebrew name is Hashim, and Hashim just means the name in Hebrew Hashim. So they always talk about Hashim, Hashim, Hashim. They put that everywhere in the in the Old Testament. Where the name of Yahweh is, or the R capital L capital O capital R capital D is, it's uh, that's what they. It's so sacred to them, and it comes from um, the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not uh, bear the name of thy Lord thy God in vain. So that's why they. That's why they. They don't want the. They don't want anything wrong being said about it, or they don't want to slip up accidentally and say something bad. So they just don't even say his name. Period. Right. Wow. So. That so that's what that's like one of the things too. Um, and then I guess for us, we talk about our translations of our Bible say, um, taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And really in Hebrew, it means bearing 
the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the difference in that is God's name. If you're saying that he's your father, you should never be portraying like you're a son of the devil mm. in your actions. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Your actions should never portray if you're because because they the the Pharisees they wanted to pick up stones to stone Jesus right because they because they said we're of our father Abraham and and he was like if you were of your father Abraham you do what your father Abraham did so there's like he said but you're you're of your father the devil I think that's John chapter eight Jesus was rebuking him when he was talking about the light of the world and the truth that could set you free. He was saying that to them because they they were trying to tell tell Jesus that who was he to them, right? And and he was telling them before Abraham was, I am, right? He was literally saying that he was God in the flesh manifested to them. And so he told them that they were the sons of their father, the devil, because he was a liar and a, and a, and a thief from the beginning, right? And when he says a lie, he, he says it of himself. He was saying to them... That, that that's that's who they were from because that's how they acted. Whenever you see kings in the Old Testament that says he was a son of David. So there was a whole, David had a whole lot of lineage from his loins because he had a whole bunch of kids from a whole bunch of wives. But not necessarily was everyone a son of David. It was the son of David was somebody who did what David did. That's how they acknowledged him. Okay. Right. Okay. So when you're calling God your father and you're bearing the name of God, that's how his name is hallowed from you. Didn't Jesus tell Solomon, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and diligently seek my face? That's what he told them, because that's the name that he gave to Jacob, Israel. Right. Those are those are my people. How do I know? I named those people. I named them my people. And they have my name on them. They have my name on them as I'm being their God. And they have my name on them from I gave them their identity. That's what when you say God is your. So you said the first part of that prayer. Is that the question you asked? Like yeah. when you're saying hallowed be thy name, what does that entail? That's that's what it entails. It means that God is your father. And so therefore... You, I should act like my father, basically, right? Yes. I shouldn't act like a son of the devil if he, if I, if I'm calling him dad. It's a sign of reverence as well, for sure. Yeah, and so that's how it starts out in the Lord's prayer. Yeah, and I believe that's a sign that we should start off as well. It's like, Heavenly Father, you know, I I I give you all props. I give you all all of me, and it's it's just setting him up because he's the most important. So we should pray and acknowledge that, just like Mike said. Now, in the second part. This one I struggled with a little bit, right? God's kingdom, your kingdom come. And here's when I was doing some research for this. I was able to locate in Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. It says, after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and then he's also tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And then, of course, John uh, the Baptist is thrown in prison. We see Jesus starting his ministry stating, time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And from there, I was just trying to do some research and say, okay, what else do they mean by your kingdom come? Mm. So then I started diving in, and, I, and this is what I believe. I may be incorrect, and Mike, if I am, jump in there. But I think what they're setting this up for is that the kingdom of heaven is like in Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, and I'll elaborate. It says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each other, 
one his neighbor and each other his brother saying know the lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them hmm. so being in your heart the kingdom of heaven being god is in my heart and he will be known to all so everybody should know who the king who god is because he doesn't want any of them to fall away. Mm. David, I'll take Kingdom of God for forty dollars. <laughs> At least that's that's my thoughts on it. That's what I was thinking. Is we're talking your kingdom come, bring your gospel to the world. Yeah, and we're the we're, we're the kingdom bearers, right? Sure. Is that how it goes? Absolutely. This is this is what I got. The Lord's Prayer, disciples' prayer, helps us understand if we are born from above, then God Himself is our Father, the Father of Lights. And his abode is our inheritance. That's what we should be tapping into when we pray. When we pray his kingdom come, we are asking for it to be inside of us. The Greek word used properly means coming and going. So his kingdom comes into us and goes out of us. Mm -hmm. In other words, as we as sons and daughters of God bring it down, manifest it around us. It comes in and goes out and goes through. Mm. Kind of like what Mike was saying about the space suit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you take it with you. you take it with you wherever it you go. Out of you too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the third section where it talks about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're talking about God's will. Sure. And this part got me thinking in my prayers. Like, do I know what I'm asking for for your will to be done in my life and in the world? I think that's a twofold prayer there. I think too is this is one of the scariest and dangerous parts of prayer to me and maybe to a lot of other people too because if you are praying for something and you and you say those words your will be done a lot of times it's not the way we think it should be agreed right agreed a lot of times someone does pass away a lot of times that cancer is not cured or that right? job is not secure. You don't get that. So it, I think for me, it's one of those, like I always, in my prayer, when I'm ending and I, and I ask God's will be done, I, I make sure I'm, I have the P's and Q's lined up. I have my T's and cross and my I's dotted exactly, you know, so I know exactly what I'm asking for so that if it doesn't happen, I know that that is God's will. And I'm not heartbroken over it or I'm not, you know, when you, when you get those baby Christians, and I was there too, that's why I could say this because I experienced this myself, is that you pray for something or for someone and things don't happen that way. And then you're like, well, uh, God doesn't know me. God doesn't love me. God's not here. God's not real. You know, you go down that, that rabbit hole of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to understand what God's will is. God's will is above your prayer, above your will. Hmm. Michael, does that make sense? Like, Absolutely. Because like, when you're when you're saying a prayer and you say, God, your will be done in this situation, hmm. you're not asking for your your personal belief or will or what you think should happen um, to be done in this. You're in God's like he's like you described it. I like that uh, um, illustration you gave us with the giant looking over a Colfax, right, yeah. and seeing everything kind of move around and and seeing things happening. We don't know sometimes what's around the corner what's around the corner yep. and why things are being removed from our lives and why things are being added and why why one door shuts and we have to go through the valley sure mm -hmm. well also look at jesus when he was about to be offered up on the cross when he did that prayer like my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will my father if this 
cannot pass unless I drink it. Your will be done. Mm. I mean, he knew that he was about to die, mm-hmm. and that was in the will of the Father. Right. That is a tough question. And I think in prayer, prayer is also about examination, self-examination. Oh, yeah. Hey, God, um, it's, it's not about getting what we want, but becoming what God wants us to be. Absolutely. I feel like self-examination leads to transformation. I agree. Which is mostly rejuvenation. Uh, if I go back to Romans 12 too, right? Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Yes. Right? So the only way that I, the only way I can prove what the will of God is is when my mind thinks differently. Why would my mind want to think differently? Because I'm becoming a living sacrifice. Like I'm not I'm not saying it's what I want. I'm saying it's whatever you have for me. If you want me to die today, I'm dying today. If you want me to live today, I'm living today. If you want me thirsty today, I'm thirsty today. If you want me tired today, I'm tired today. If you want me blessed today, I'm blessed. A new car, I'll take it. Right? <laughs> right. But whatever you want, that's what I want for me. I also feel that this verse also encourages us to pray for the world, mm. not just our own self in there, or just not that God does his will in our life, but also he can exercise it in the world and for healing in the world. Mm. Right. I feel like as we're reading through the Lord's Prayer, we see that it is not just me-centered prayer, because if you look at how it starts out, our Father, our our Father. And then your kingdom come. And then in this next section, we're going to talk about. But he also says, when you pray, say. 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 Say what? Say our father. Our father. Yes. So so it's like when you are when you pray, it, I mean, I, I believe in the Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel chapter 1 about her praying and the murmuring and whatever. And it just looked like her lips are murmuring. But he says, when you pray, say. Our Father. Speak it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Get it out there, man. Let it be known. Right? Let every demon in hell know. You know what? I struggled today, Lord, but I'm coming for help. Mm-hmm. Right? Let every demon don't let them be afraid, man. You gotta we gotta we not we can't be uh fearful of being sons of God. We have to be ready to put all our credentials on the line. And if every demon in hell has to hear us confessing. Because that brings us to an end of ourself. I feel like when you pray, say. I feel like that's a very p- important part of prayer. That's powerful. That's powerful. And likewise, <laughs> say the word. Yeah. yeah. And likewise, give us this day our daily bread. Mm. This part of the prayer shifts our focus from God to our own needs. Mm. And notice here again where we see us not simply giving me my needs, but the focus is on community collaboratively i don't know this this part is the easier one for us to comprehend because we know what we need sure. we know what we want but are you also we think we know <laughs> we, yeah or we know what our media needs are sure and we know what we want yeah but is it the right thing for us that's questionable yeah however you know if i was to say what do you want right now in terms of money what do you want right now in terms of work most people will be able to give an account for that sure now if you were to say well, do you know what god wants for you right now then it's more like, well, yeah, I, I'm I, not sure. Sorry, I, I think like, in, and I did a little study on this, and um, I'm just going off of memory, so I may be wrong. And 
I'm glad Mike's Michael's here to <laughs> oh, correct <yes. laughs> to correct me if I'm wrong. But let me I, get my red pen out. <laughs> but, <yes. laughs> but I think um, when when he says give us our daily bread, someone had tied that along to the Last Supper, right? Where God breaks the the bread, and he's and he's uh, saying eat this for uh, for this is my body, which I'm sorry, you know, and he's the Word. So I um I I, I like to think about that section. Um, give us uh, our daily bread. To me, it's like give us you, God, daily. Mm. Give mm-hmm. us, give us that. And because what is this? What's that Bible verse? Uh, Man shall not, not live, live by bread alone, alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God shall he live by. See, I told you, Mike, <laughs> <Yes>. Michael. <laughs> Michael, we need him. Yeah. yeah. And so when 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 we're saying that, you know, God give us our daily bread. I I always translate that to God. Where can I find you at today? You know, where, where am I hungry at in my soul that I need you? Mm. Um, you know, reveal that to me. That's kind of how I interpret mm. that part. I also look at it as in um, Exodus 16, where God provided manna to the to the Hebrews each day. Because it says, give us our daily bread. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that means give, I'm interpreting this as, give me what I need for today. Right. Tomorrow mm-hmm. can take care of itself. Lord, please provide me what I need today to make it. That to me is powerful because it's like, give me the necessities. Give me my relationship with you. Give me the food to sustain my body for the for today. Let tomorrow worry about its troubles. Let me focus on the present. Hmm. And is that, that something that, that you believe? Of course, because I, for me, being the anxious person that I am, mm-hmm. when I start thinking about the future, I get anxious Yeah. because it's overwhelming. Like, oh, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I want this to happen. I'm working towards this. But when I can center myself and, 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 and focus on what I need for today, that allows me to step out of the past, step away from the future, and focus on the present. And then then it's like clear cut. Okay, today, this is what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Today, I at least know this is what I need to survive the day. God, let me lean on you for everything today. Tomorrow, we'll deal with that. Right. That, so that's, for me, that's how I interpret it is God giving me what is necessary, not necessarily what I want. Mm. Except I just went through a thing with my daughter, my youngest daughter, and she's, you know, she she sees the headlines, you know, she sees uh, people talking about, you know, we're running out of water, uh, this is going to happen, you know, the sky is falling down and stuff, and, and she's, you know, she's nine years old, of course it's going to affect her. And so I, I came in to check on her to say goodnight to her, and she was crying, and I asked her why she was crying, and she told me, you know, like, she was worried that we we're going to run out of water. Oh no! And stuff, and I and I said, "What is that? What does that even matter to you? Like, did you have water today?" And she's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "So what does that even matter?" You know, I was like, "Do you do you not understand? Like, understand? Like, God's gonna take care of us, and if if we go without water, it's because that's what you know what's gonna happen." But and I had to tell her, you know, like, when have we? And I was speaking about her mother and I. When have we allowed you to go without? And she's like, never. And I was like, exactly, because God has never let us go without. Good. We're always going to be taken care of. Yes. So mm-hmm. don't let the worries of tomorrow affect your night tonight. Because now, now you're having uh, messed up thoughts about you know the world uh, ending and and stuff like that. I said, if the world ends, that's even better for us. Going you know? home, <laughs> we mm-hmm. get to go home. Yep. And don't forget about the us part too, because. Hey, I, I want to see you be fed for the day. Mm. If somebody is hungry for today and I have the capability, give me 
the ability to feed somebody for a day. Or, Lord, you provide for them for today. Mm. Give them their daily bread. Give us, our community, the daily bread we need to rely on you today. Okay, and then moving forward, let's look at the fifth segment of this, which is forgiveness. And I see this is more of a call to action where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This section speaks to forgiveness and how we com um, confess to the Lord our trespasses and then also give the opportunity to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Anybody want to add to that? I try to live without offense, brother, so maybe you're asking <laughs> the wrong person. But uh, I would definitely say this. I noticed that Jesus oftentimes does a collaboration with unforgiveness and money. It's like they're tied together. I think the original translation of the trespass, which, which is translated for us, trespass, is really forgive us our debts mm. as we forgive our, our debtors, right? So, and it, I think there's a parable of the ungrateful servant, that one that who was forgiven so much, so many millions of dollars or whatever to try to go sweat somebody for just a way, way less portion. 12 bucks. Yeah, something like that. And... I I just I it's so crazy to think about how money separates so many people, you know. So many people get offended when you when you lend somebody money and they don't pay you back. How they um, did you unjustly because you didn't get the money? And I just feel like Paul says it best in First uh, Corinthians chapter six, and he's talking about two believers who are taking each other to court, and he says. Um, wasn't there somebody wise among you who could have uh, um, discerned the matter? You know, so you, he goes, but yet you went to the courts of the, of the, the, the people on earth. Right. You guys are heavenly people, right? And you, you guys took it to the circuit court. And, he, and he's like, why couldn't one of you just have been wronged? Like, what's the wrong with that? You know what I mean? Why couldn't you have just been wronged instead of suing each other, you know? And then he, he's talking about unity, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and the importance of it and talking about we're the temple of the living God. And so how God abides in us and brick by brick, we're one person. So I just, I just, it just blows my mind to think that money separates so many people, man. You owe me 20 bucks or 200 or 2000. And since we're just getting into the dollar amount, I mean, I have so many jobs that I um, I got stiffed on, and I never put a lien on the property or whatever. Be and and I feel like the reason why, and some at times my wife would be upset and mad, you know. And I, I there were so many people that I worked alongside with who would be like, I'm gonna go rip all my drywall out of that house if they don't want to pay me. Or I'm gonna rip the tile out, and I'll be like, you know what? I guess I could I could go there if I wanted to, but I just look at it like, you know what, Lord. You've always had me. You're going to continue to always have me. So, I mean, what difference does it make? I mean, I, uh, show me something, Lord, from your hand. These people are being unfair, unjust. They're coming up with every excuse in the book not to pay me. But, Lord, you show me something from your hand. Because I, I'm, I'm going to take it on the chin and I'm going to take it like a champ. But I'm going to take something from you, Lord. You're, you're going to give me something from your hand because I'm putting this, I'm entrusting this into you, right? I'm trusting this matter into you. I'm not taking vengeance on my own. I'm listening to what you say, but I'm saying, Lord, I got a need. And, and he's always came through. No matter what, he's always came through. And I feel like if the same thing happened tomorrow, he's going to come through again. 
And I'm going to just give you a shout out, Lord, right now. Praise you on credit for doing it for me the next time, Lord, because I know you're so faithful. You're that good, Lord, that you've always been faithful to me. So I feel like forgiving forgiveness, it's always associated with money for some reason. I feel, And I feel like money offends us, right? But even if it's not, if it's reputation, whatever it is, I feel like we have problems in a relationship when there's too much pride. Yeah. I feel like humility, humility will deflate all of that, man. It's a peacekeeping mission, man. It's just, you know, I got to hum- learn to humble myself, you know. Um, instead of being offended, I just rather be humble, you know. So, I mean, well, who am I? Okay, so you did me wrong. So you talk bad about me. But who am I? Am I some great person? You know what I mean? That, 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 am I the king or dignitary of somebody or the king of somebody's son that he, you can't say anything bad about me? So I just feel like if I just humble myself, say whatever you want to say, man, you know, and I, and I just, I just want to keep on praising no matter what. Amen. <laughs> yeah. What he said. What he said. <laughs> but also to your point, when you were talking about money, and I do believe in Proverbs where it says, and the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to money. The reason why it causes that, so those, those problems is because it changes the dynamic of our relationship. Sure. Because now it's, it's like a, bar, a, a, bar, a slave and master situation because now you owe me. It changed the dynamics of, of, of the relationship you have with that person. And then when they don't return it to you, you know, you, you've lost out. And society has trained us that way. Sure. And that's, I think that's unfortunate. But to the point is, forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person, right? Oh, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, being a prisoner of your own uh, jail sentence, man. It's poison. It's like taking and, poison. And you have the key. Yeah. Po- what is somebody once said that too, right? It's like, uh, drink, uh, I think, was it? Uh, Drinking poison and, ho- and hoping that they die. Right. Yes. You, yes. Yeah, I think that was uh, what's the guy who does the the psychology? Uh, C.S. Lewis or something? No. Freud. Tony Freud. Evans. Freud's the one who said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's what unforgiveness does. And, and he, I, I, like, I don't even think he was a believer. I like at the at the beginning of the podcast when you were talking about your father, how the first thing you did is you addressed the fact that you forgave him. Yes. You know, and and you addressed and and you presented him that way. Yes. Before speaking about uh, what he did and everything. And, and I, I want to piggyback off of that when we're talking about forgiveness because it took me, um, I think I was 36 when I finally forgave my father uh, in my heart mm. and out loud. I mean, I've never met the man, never spoke with him. I know who he is. I'm sure he knows who I am and everything else. But there was a time with you, actually. We were down in Colorado Springs at the Passion of the Christ. Sure play remember that or the uh the thorn the, yeah or... the it was the easter play whatever yeah. it was it was for easter yeah and we went down there we were watching this play and it was intermission mm. and they had these big old metal crosses mm. and they said if there's something in your heart that you need to forgive yes. or ask someone to forgive you for write it on these little magnets yep. uh pieces and put them on the cross and leave it there mm. and we were just all sitting in the back having coffee and talking and then i just felt the holy spirit uh, and I just started crying for I don't even know my dad and my uh, my father has never been on my wasn't even on my mind mm-hmm. I wasn't even going down that route like it never even crossed my mind mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I just started like crying mm-hmm. and I just stood up and I went and I walked to the line and and I heard my wife say what's wrong with him what's going on and she got up and chased me down she's like what's up what's well, you were just in the middle of conversation what's wrong you okay and mm-hmm. I just said and at that moment I just remember I looked at her and I'm crying and I can't even talk and I'm like I have to 
I have to forgive him. And she's like, who? What? And I was like, my father. I was like, I have to forgive him. And so I went down in the line and I wrote, I, I just wrote father, my father mm. on that piece. Uh, and I left it at the cross. And ever since that day, I've never, I've never felt like a victim anymore, if mm. that makes sense, right? Sure. I missed out on a child. You know, I could go down that whole rabbit hole of, sure. of why his actions put me in foster home and foster care and whatever. You know, I could, sure. I could do all that. But all that left me. That was part of my recovery, you know, when I was well, part of the reason why I started drinking and doing drugs and everything else. But all that had left. I didn't have that excuse anymore mm. to, to blame my father for what he did to me and, and the struggles that I went through and, and, and the downfalls that uh, if, if I had a dad here and being the only kid on the football team on the father son retreat, I was the one with the coach, mm. you know, like stuff like that, that still hurts to this day. But. I forgave him for all that, sure. and I and I and I actually pray for him, hmm. and and I always I don't want to say too much, but this is he's a man of God, amen. And and this is he's he's doing God's work, yeah. And who am I, like you said, who who am I to to point fingers and and throw stones at at, at someone that's saving souls for God, hmm. you know, and, and regardless of what I went through and, and I did go through it and I'm here. It brought and, and you it, here. It, it made me who I am. You know what? I, I, I love him. I forgive him. And I pray that God blesses him and his ministry, hmm. you know, because he's doing God's work. And I don't know, man, I just, you, you get to a point in life where you realize if someone hold me, held me accountable for all the, the bad things I did to people, Sure, you know, I, I wouldn't be life here. sentence, right? Yep, lifer. Well, I feel like Mike could go on for volumes of what a father, knowing what his father in heaven's like. I one time called him, uh, invited him to a class. I was talking about Ephesians uh, and adoption, chapter two, and talking about what it's like to be adopted and the things that happen to you, how your name changes, how your name changes, and how how everything's different, right? And so I just uh, know that Mike was a very powerful testimony that night and telling us the things that he went through and that a family that, that wasn't his own took him in to be just like his own family. So um, I feel like that's very, that's probably not a point that we even touched on about our Heavenly Father, right? Him yeah. being a God to us and being somebody who we could depend on and lean on and the one who would promise us, I would never leave you or never forsake you, right? So no. Sometimes, sometimes we have to wonder: is it is it the doubt I want to believe, or is it the promise I want to believe? If when I'm going through something, do I have to believe this is from God and this is, and He's telling me I'll never leave you or forsake you? Am I gonna believe the doubt or am I gonna believe the promise? I feel like it's good, man, to get into stuff like that. Yeah, it is. All right, and let's touch base on our final topic here, which is spiritual warfare. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Being a Christian, this walk with Jesus was never meant to be easy. You will have temptation. You have an enemy out there, a spiritual enemy. And a lot of times people in this world can be cruel. And you're going to have to learn to navigate that. And, ha and just praying to God to give you the strength to deal with that and to not lead you into temptation. We all know that when it comes to this world, our society sprinkles that temptation to you enough to take you up to that line where you're about to commit sin. They'll lead you up to the line, and then they'll chastise you when you cross that line. Mm. 
Mm. That's the problem with our societies, that temptation is everywhere. And therefore we pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Mm. I, I, feel like, I feel like Jesus said it best, I could nutshell it. Watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. Mm-hmm. What does that look, what does that, what does that watch and pray mean? I mean, when he was going to his very own cross and to his very own death, and he knew that he was stronger than these guys who were grabbing him. He knew that at one word, he could have five legions of angels come down and annihilate the place. The same person who was saying, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And as soon as he would say, I am, knocked down the whole troops with his words, right? Twice. So, I mean, if you think about the power that he had inside of him as he's going to the cross, he needed to be in prayer. So he didn't unleash some of this, man. People were going to be punching him, pulling his beard out, whipping him to death. Doing him dirty. Literally, yeah. And this guy, he just he, he was like a, a sheep led to the slaughter, man. And uh, he, he just knew he had to bear fruit for his father. And I feel like a lot of us as believers, if you begin to realize that God comes to take his fruit, you're part of your his fruit and so the trials you go through it's like a, a, a it's an aroma and it's a a fragrance to him and so when you begin to harvest right and and you 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 meet some believers and it seems like they go through one hardship after the next after the next after the next and they're the sweetest people ever man they're just like oh my gosh i could feel god all over them you know what i mean but they're just going through one hardship after the other you know what? They're bearing fruit for the master. So you know what? He comes to harvest his fruit. And he said, every branch that bears fruit, I prune. So it bears more. He likes his fruit. And I feel like when you think that you are going to go through a hard time and God's not getting anything out of it, it bears fruit to show. This is what it. So I one, I one time had this uh, revelation in the middle of the night, one of them 3 a.m. sessions about the vine and the branches. And he was letting me know that when when uh, about that parable about i think it's in uh, isaiah it's like one of the first couple of chapters in isaiah where it talks about israel was a fig tree and it just wouldn't it wouldn't bear fruit so he said that they 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 dug around it they kept they dug around it fertilized it tried to get it to bear fruit right and and there's even a, a parable about that in the new testament too and so he was like let me try again Right to make it bear fruit because if you look at the essence of what a, f- a fig tree is, it's a it's something that lets figs out. Right, it's like something that you give it water, you give it soil, you give it sunlight, and it should bear fruit. Well, we are sons of God, right, mm. and we should be bearing out what God has inside yes. of us. We should be when we're pressed down, when we're when we're, when we're coming into trials, when we're struggling with. Right when the, when the harder it gets, the more the devil presses in. We should be bearing fruit like a child of God, like how Jesus did. We should be like lambs led to the slaughter, not complaining and 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 trying to throw God the finger and every other thing. You know why me and why can't it be somebody else? Right? We should be bearing that fruit, and that and that's what gives him pleasure. So when a tree doesn't bear fruit, it's more of a testament against the husbandman of that tree than it is the tree itself. If if the husbandman said, okay, I fertilized it, 
I watered you. I pruned you. I took all the dead branches off you. I took time to do everything that I could do for you, and still you produce nothing. It, it's it basically it's saying that he's a bad tender of the tree. And so when we're children of God and we do not bear fruit like children of God, we're saying, God, you haven't done enough. The sacrifice of Jesus wasn't enough for my life. The Holy Spirit inside my heart isn't enough for me. The written word of God that we have in front of us because so many people gave their lives and died. This book's born of blood, literally, man. Person after person, man. There were psalm people in half and everything to give people this word that we have today. And when we say, you know what? It just ain't enough. It's a slap in God's face to him. You just, you didn't think of everything in, of that you could have did. You know what I mean? And so that's what being a bad husbandman is. And that's what he comes to bear. He, he comes to take the fruit that we bear. So he gives us fruit. And it's through every trial and temptation that happens, man. That's when, that's how that hap. That's how it comes. That's how we bear much fruit. When we're, when we're actually showing that we're sons of God, we're bearing the fruits of children of God. And he comes to get his fruit and then he prunes you so you'll give more. Mm. Mm. Right, right. <laughs> Preach on, brother. Preach on. Preach on. Yes. And so, um, you know, we got to wrap it up here. And Mike, I just wanted to say thank you so much. This is not going to be the last time you hear from Mike. We're definitely going to have him on again for some other shows, too. As you can see, he's very passionate about the word. He loves Jesus. And he is definitely not afraid to put that on display. Mm. So with that said, just pray. Just Guys, I, 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 I want to I want to leave I want to leave with the side note about yeah. maturity and prayer, guys. Yes, because this is just this is a little extra, right? This is like uh, if I could throw in an extra verse in in uh, Matthew chapter six, man. This is about maturity and praying. So I always pay attention to how the way I want to pray. So if I'm praying for my wife who's going through something. Am I praying for her through the struggle she's going through so it relieves the tension from my ear so she complains less or because it's hindering me somehow? Maybe it's hurting my pocketbook. Maybe it's hurting my pride, right? Maybe it's taking time away from me to do something else. But I wonder sometimes when you pray, are you praying for people because it's like an, you're trying to get the problem out of your hair? You know what I'm saying? Instead of really caring for the person that you're praying for, instead of really desiring better for them or more for them, are you praying what makes it convenient for you? And so your prayer is more centered about you than it is about them. You're like, God, I'm having a hard time right here, man. Can you just help them out so they'll shut the heck up? You know, <laughs> that's like not mature. That's the, some of the things that prayer isn't. Prayer shouldn't be that. And and our, and our prayer should be, I guess, selfless. I feel like the more I feel like the more we pray for others, the less we think of ourselves. So, guys, if it was me and I was you, this is what I would do. I pray for the needs of others. Like when you're feeling really needy and you feel like God ain't in your corner, start praying for somebody else, man. It gets that out of your head. You're you're wired in such a way that your purpose fulfilled is helping others around you. You're gonna feel better about yourself if you're helping others around you than if you're just only in it for yourself. You wanna grow spiritually? You wanna grow in prayer? 
pray for others, guys. It's the key to your success. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And with all that said, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, thank Michael. You very much. Guys, Mike. it's been my Being pleasure to hang out with you guys, yeah. man. I love you very much. Love you, you too, know that. It's been an so. honor. And it's always, every time I listen to Mike speak when we're doing recordings with him, I find myself listening to him. Just, oh, I'm soaking it up. Right. But this has been an amazing um, opportunity for us to have Michael on the podcast to, to share about prayer. And we hope that you all took something away from that. So on that note, we hope that you will join us on our next episode. And we are out. Peace. Peace.